0: This is the Game Designers of North Carolina podcast.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 11 of the Game Designers of North Carolina podcast, the most crooked podcast in the business. My name is Matt Wolf, and I will be your host. Our topic for this podcast is finding the hook for a design, and that explains the whole crooked crack dad joke from like 2 seconds ago. Anyway, w- with me tonight are two designers who have so many hooks they might as well be a tackle box. First up is the contest-a-winning James Myers. Hey James.
0: Hello, hello. Just got back from the boxing ring, hooks and jabs. <laughs>
1: Yes, he's, he's just the, the amount of black eyes that you have. I don't know how you have more than two. It's very, very evident. And the other designer with us, who sadly is neither award-winning nor contest-winning, that is Josh Mills. Hey, Josh, how's everybody doing out there? Yeah, t- speak normal. Don't don't do
2: that, Mister Monotone. Hey, listen, I will talk in this tone for the entire <laughs> podcast. I can't even I can't even fake do it, but. <laughs> Josh Mills reporting for duty.
1: All right. Now, before we get into our first segment, just wanted to do a brief mention for a uh, local convention. If anyone is listening to this and you're in the North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia uh, types of areas, you may be interested. It is called ShushCon. And it's located in Pauly's Island, South Carolina. Now, the reason it's called ShushCon is because it takes place in a library. So, you know, you're being shushed, that kind of thing. It is going to be held March 11th through 13th of this year. And Donald Dennis, who does the On Board Games podcast for the Dice Tower Network, is the one that is organizing it. He's actually a librarian in the... Uh, South Carolina system there. And that's why it's being held at a uh, library. So if you are uh, local or somewhat local to South Carolina, and you are interested in attending, uh, check out the link in the show notes, or you can just kind of Google shush con and it'll it'll pop right up. All right. So with that out of the way, we'll get to our first segment. What's in the oven. And Josh, let's start with you. What's um what's in the oven over there?
2: For one, a human baby. Which is actually true. It is actually true. But the, more importantly, I have a record game, vinyl game, 12 inches of vinyl, quick kind of filler type of thing where you're building an actual record in a circle. So the whole idea, and we'll talk about it later, came from a, a hook that I had. But that's what's, that's what's currently
1: in the oven. So, so you actually said, more importantly, more importantly than your unborn child. <laughs>
2: Well, I'm, that's that'll be important come August, but it's me time right now. It's the last I'm going to have for like forty years. So Clearly, your it. wife does not listen to this podcast. Yes, yeah, she she is not allowed to. No, no <laughs> one tell her it exists. Please. All
1: right, James, what have you been working on lately?
0: Well, I've got a couple of games. One, I'm not sure if I mentioned it last time I was on, or if that was before. I really started working on it. A uh, game about collecting knowledge at the Library of Alexandria, and then I got a new one that's kind of uh, based on uh, MMO, kind of team, MMO team up fighting in a cage match es- essentially. So both of those are kind of getting some play tests right now and waiting to see what happens with the uh, contest. And what they where they want to go from here?
1: And once again, listeners, if you have a much, much better name for this segment. Please let us know. You can tweet us at GD of NC. Even if you think it's a stupid idea, it's probably better than what we have now. So, so try it anyway. And maybe we will switch to, to your name and give you no kind of prize because we would have no kind of prize for you, but we would at least give you recognition with that. Let's move into our main topic for this episode, which is where's the hook. And when we say hook, we're gonna kick it over to Josh here. So, Josh, what do you uh, what do you mean by when we say the word "hook" in terms of uh, board game design?
2: For me, the hook, and, and for me, it's the most important part, is when the the mechanic and the theme collide, right? Like, what's that little piece that has those those two elements that kind of creates the game, right? Like when those two things just are like bam together. To me that's the hook. Like that's the main thing when I'm designing that I'm looking for that I can gravitate towards and hook on, hook onto. I don't I'm not even don't even like puns, but I did one. <laughs> but to me it's where the mechanics and the theme really just match and feel natural. So for you,
1: what is an example of a published game where you feel has has that like really strong hook?
2: Panamax, for instance, it just the hook of you pushing someone else's ship like, to me, that's, that's that whole entire game. Like, everything else is just stuff added on to the idea of you're pushing other players around to get through this canal. Or, you know, that's the real oomph to me. The, uh, another one would be Xenon Profiteer, just getting a packet of air. So, you're getting a packet of air, you pick up four cards. To me, that's the whole hook of the game. Everything else is based on that one simple thought.
1: All right. How about you, James? Uh, when, when, you, when you think of like a hook in a game, like what's your kind of uh, definition or your
0: thoughts? So I came from a very different angle than Josh did. Good. Uh, I was thinking about. <laughs> I was thinking about, you know, when someone's describing a game, it almost, uh, the hook to me almost seems to be after the word either and or but. And that's like, that's the thing that makes it, that catches my attention. And it's like, okay, I have to look into this more my main thought was like okay there's game Spyfall right you're all characters you're in this place everybody knows what's going on but one player is a spy and they have no clue what's going on and it's like wait a second that I mean obviously that's the whole idea of the game but that is what hooked me in and I was like okay so that's this kind of situation and you go to that you look at that in a lot of different games where it's like okay things are normal but there's one problem and that's what causes the conflict and a lot of times that is what will actually draw me to the game
1: so you're sort of describing like a marketing hook
0: sort of yeah i mean it, and it comes you can you can either start with that idea or you can have it develop in the game
1: all right so you said Spyfall. do you have uh, any other examples that you think of a published game that has like a really strong hook
0: i was struggling to come up with one on short notice though. We'll figure. I'm sure I'll get one as we go through the questions today.
2: We've got all night. Here, I'll, so, I'll, bail, yeah. I'll bail you out on one of them. Okay. So like this, I, I was thinking about this because you have kind of like from the the hook for the audience and the hook for the designer. And like for me, like say Lanterns, the hook for the audience is everybody gets a thing on your turn, right? On, their, on everyone's turn, everybody gets something. And that's what really compels that game and makes people want to play it and makes it bigger than what it, what it really is. The simple tiling type situation. So to me, that's like an, a hook when you're talking about marketing is not the word I want to use, but the, the, from the player's perspective.
1: So what's, what's the hook for Catan trading, trading,
2: I think it's trading. Cause like for the, from the player's perspective, it would be trading from a designer's perspective. To build that game, I think it's using the middle parts of the hexes because that 's something I still don't see very often is you you have a board and you 're using where the things intersect not you're not using the hex, but you're using the corners and the intersections of those hexes from a di- design perspective, my guess would be when that when someone thought of that concept or idea that's what really drove the design of of Catan. I mean, of course, I can't speak to that, I'm just guessing, but from an outsider's point of view, that's what I would say it was. I don't know, James?
0: You know, honestly, I was thinking about, you know, the hooks for Catan, and it's like, to me, nothing really stands out as a hook, and I mean, maybe that's one of the reasons I'm not the biggest fan of Catan. I can certainly appreciate it as a good game, but to me, it's never drawn me in as something particularly unique. I think that's what one thing I look for in terms of Seeing the hook is going to be something different or something, something unique that's going to actually draw me into the game. And Katana's really never done that for me.
1: Do you have that view because you know, you've been playing modern board games for a while now and you're becoming an old jaded gamer, so you need, <laughs> you need to see like, you know, new stuff?
0: No, I don't really think so because um, I actually went quite a while in modern board games without playing Katana. It was not my gateway game first modern board game i actually played was eclipse kind of a fire wow that's crazy
2: yeah. so what would you say the hook of like eclipse was for you as a as a player
0: as a player it was really is like okay here's this grand space opera like you know here's here's star wars go ahead and play star wars and all these competing empires and then you know as i played i was like okay there's a lot more economics in here than i initially thought but the idea of grand space fleets fighting in space and traveling all over and blowing stuff up and wormholes and all that kind of stuff that was what hooked me in
1: so it was like the promise of
0: the story of the game not necessarily the story but perhaps the scope is a better word for it
1: that is one of the more unique you know <laughs> how you became a board gamer stories that i've uh, that i've heard you know most people it's like ticket to ride or katan or flux or you know stuff like that what was, what was yours josh
2: it, it really was Catan. That's when I realized I could make games like that and there was probably way more games like that that I did not know existed. Back in the day, I mean, it was just any kind of trick-taking game I played with my family. I mean, I've always been in a game, so like I don't remember when. I really like playing Monopoly because I could outlast my sister and she'd get pissed and like throw stuff and quit and that was a victory for me. So
1: <laughs> Is your sister older or younger? Younger. Ah. Big brother picking on her.
2: Yeah. Yeah, Now she's, now I would not mess with her. Now I'm scared of her. There's no way I would mess with her now.
1: (laughs) All right. So to, to, to get back to the hook. So, so Josh, you're, you're saying like the hook is like the, the fun thing to do.
2: I think it's, it's the interesting thing to do. It's, I mean, you could build the rest of the game and you might, the, the hook might downplay a little bit, but it's what, it's kind of the foundation of the game, I guess is a better kind of analogy. Because it's the small kernel that allows everything else to exist, right? It, the hook that repeats and repeats and repeats allows you to have a solo that really resonates with people. It allows you to have a climatic ending. All because you had this through line, you know, in the game, all that stuff's possible.
1: So I, I think what what I'm hearing you describe is the core engagement of a game. And the the core engagement is is generally like, you know, what what is the heart of the game? What's the thing that is driving it forward? What's the thing that players, you know, really are compelled to do in the game? That to me that sounds like what you're describing with hook. Is that does that sound about right?
2: Yeah, when you're when you're talking about it from like kind of a finish perspective, you, I would define the hook that way. When I'm talking about it from a designing perspective, it's it's that element that allows me to create stuff around it. Necessary, like in the finished product, it might not be that important. It might not be the thing that compels people to play. So it might not be their hook, but it was my hook in terms of breaking down the game. To give you an example, so Milkman's a dice game, and it has all these other weird weird components about it and stuff. But the core thing I grabbed onto the hook for me was that you could take raw milk and turn it into whole skim or chocolate, right? That to me is the hook of that game from a design perspective of, I can take one resource that you can gain instead of gaining like five different resources and then have it go the other way and produce the other types of resources. So for me, that's the thing. Everything was built around trying to make that fun. And I do that over and over again with my designs, trying to find that hook so I can build the rest of them around that. And, you know, half the time, I can never find the mechanic to go with the theme or I can't find the theme to go with the mechanic. But when they match up, I get super excited. And that's usually when I end up prototyping something.
1: Okay, I got you. Yeah, I guess when I think of a game that has like a really well-connected theme and mechanisms, I I don't know, I kind of think of that as just, player engagement you know like if you have oh, I'm trying to think of some a game off the top of my head I don't know something like Snow Tales have you guys played Snow Tales
2: I I have and I have
0: one thing that drives me bananas about that game but go ahead <laughs>
1: <laughs> have have you played that James
0: I have not but I have some idea of the mechanics and I'm wondering if it's what you're going to say
1: well, I just uh, when I when I play Snow Tails, like I, I feel like it does a pretty good job of, of giving an approximation of what it would be like to to be in a dog sled race. At least like, you know, super abstracted, right? Because you you you're not you're not actually going to have snow on the board and you're not actually, you know, having your <laughs> having to like feed your dogs or anything like that at the end of the race. But I, I don't know, from my completely No idea of how actual dog sledding works. You know, I feel like it gives me a satisfying, abstracted feeling of, you know, doing dog racing.
0: I can tell you this from recent experience. Dog sled racing, they are still dogs. They will still chase squirrels. They need to add (laughs) that as a promo card (laughs) Snowtails, the squirrel. It just makes all your dogs turn 90 degrees.
1: What's your weird thing?
2: My weird thing is, and I've actually been dog sled racing. That's what my wife did for my 30th birthday. We went dog sled, not racing, just dog sled, sledding. We weren't racing anybody. Um, but it's really oddly quiet and serene. But the, the thing that drives me nuts about that is one simple abstraction, which is you have your sled in front of you, but you're playing your, the dogs and the numbers on top of the cards on top of the other cards, and you never have this sense of like having a bunch of dogs in front of you. You never, like, I want to have rows of dogs. Like, when I play that game, instead of playing it, like, left or right, left or right, I just want to play so I'm making a huge line of dogs in front of my sleds, which is not practical at all. It makes more sense to do it in front of you. But that's, like, one of those little kernels of, like, thematic reasoning that just hic- I have hiccups with every now and then. Well, I
1: mean, in that game, they're they're saying you only have two dogs that are pulling the sled.
2: Well, that's the ridiculous part. Like, that's not happening. Like, I weigh like two hundred and fifty pounds. Like, I'm not getting pulled by just two tiny dogs. They're, they're they're not tiny. They're huskies. They're pretty big. It takes a lot of dogs. I'm just saying that's the one thing <laughs> that that just pulls me out of it a little bit, right? Just because I want that. I want that very, I like very classical motifs of stuff. So to me, dog sledding is a bunch of dogs silhouetted sled with somebody standing up in it. And I just don't get that sense when I'm playing that game. Not to say the game, I mean, it's fun. I have a good time. Whatever. I'm like, I'm going to overlook small stuff like that. Like that will never stop me from playing and having a good time. But I miss that motif, I guess you could say in the game.
1: Okay. I I, I got gotcha. you. But I just did a quick Google image search and I did find some images of dog sled with just two dogs pulling it. So it does seem to be a real thing.
2: You internet can prove anybody right <laughs> or wrong.
1: Yes. Thank you internet for just proving me right anyway.
2: Okay. So I think
1: for me, I, I have trouble kind of defining hook because I think it is a term uh, clearly as we've kind of talked about so far that means different things to different people, right? So, like, like for Josh, it's like that that core thing that you find, so you can, you know, work on designing the game, and it's the, you know, the really good integration of theme and and mechanisms. You know, for J- for James, it's the attention grabbing, you know, part of the game where, you know, if it's something new that you haven't seen before, or some slight little twist or, you know, something in, in that way. And for me, the hook is like I was saying earlier, it's that core engagement. It's like, what, what's that really compelling thing that I want to do in the game? Like a a good example of this would be like in Carcassonne. You guys have both played Carcassonne, I'm assuming.
2: Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I just, I just, I, that seemed like a ridiculous question.
1: Well, hey.
2: <laughs> I know, I'm just messing around. I'm just trying to make <laughs> up for the five minute. I nodded on um, an audio podcast, which turns out isn't great.
1: <laughs> yeah, usually that's uh, that's not so good. Uh, but like in in, in Carcassonne, you want to be able to, I think one of the most compelling things is to be able to Either block someone if you're if you're an aggressive player, and kind of force their meeple to stay out there for the rest of the game, or to be able to complete a feature, you know, complete a city, complete a road, complete the um, uh, what do they call the um, the things that we're gonna surround it with tiles, It's the citadel or uh, something, monastery, monastery. Thank you. Um, like like to me like that's like the that compelling like you have that you just you're just really compelled to want to complete stuff in that game depending on again on what kind of player you are um, so sometimes you'll yeah <laughs> if you're the aggressive player you just want to block people and then ah, tie your your meeple's stuck out there and now I'm going to be able to you know lock you out of points and be able to rack up points so yeah what when i think of hook that's that's kind of what i'm thinking of is is you know that that really core engagement, which could be the same thing as, as James is what you're saying and it could be the same thing as Josh is what you're saying but it's also possible that they might be three completely divergent things like the core engagement of Eclipse is is probably well, you know, actually I don't even know I don't think there is exactly just one for Eclipse there's, a, there's probably a bunch of cores in that game you know, like the, uh, since it is a 4X game you have like The really interesting part of exploring, you know, that that sense of discovery, like, that's a compelling thing. You've got the, you know, the extermination, trying to fight your opponents. You know, that's a really compelling thing, or can be, again, depending on player style. The managing your resource, you know, exploiting, like, that's really compelling for some players. And, um, yeah, I guess that one probably wouldn't have just a single uh, core at least not not that I could identify. I don't know if if James if you feel differently or not.
0: Yeah, it kind of goes from from stage to stage. It's like okay, there there's the first part of the game where the core is definitely expanding. And you need, I mean you go through the 4X's and eventually everyone is fighting and that is the core of the end game. So it just kind of goes from core to core. You don't really have you generally won't have them going at once cuz by the time people are done by the time people start fighting, people are done exploring most of the time
2: just out of curiosity this is how what i think the core hook was for wombat rescue and james i'd like to hear what you say and then matt can tell us what the truth is (laughs) but for me that whole game is you poop and that makes a smell area that you're allowed to walk around in like that there is no way i could see how you can conceive of that game without having that thought first and building everything else around it but I could be wrong. We'll find out in two seconds. But James, what do you think the core of Wombat
0: is? I I have to completely agree. We're actually talking about this at the last meeting and that certain people have a hard time grasping that area that the poop cubes create. And it's like, that's the core of the game. If you can't visualize that, you're going to have trouble with the game because it is so integral to understanding how the game works. So I definitely agree that is the hook.
1: So the, the hook is actually fighting uh, in that no, uh, no, you're, you're exactly right. It, it is, it was, that's where the idea came from. You know, I, I read that, you know, Wombats actually poop cubes and they use them as as smell markers and that's how they navigate. And that's, that is hundred you know, percent where it came from. And, and yeah, I, I agree that that is the, kind of the, the core engagement or the hook for the game. You know, we're, we're kind of all in agreement there would say at least for Wombat and yeah, that fits James definition of you're doing something different, <laughs> really different. Yeah, uh, You know, for Josh, your, your definition, like that's, that's like the, hopefully, you know, there's a good marriage of mechanisms and theme. Cause I designed it theme first and I think some people have seen it. Some, some people haven't. And actually, uh, uh, Mark McGee from the group, he had a, a really good observation, something that, that makes people see a game as like dripping with theme or not dripping with theme is like systems versus, versus like events. So Wombat Rescue is a very system oriented game. You you build your smell area and you maneuver around and it's you know, it's it's a it's the same system throughout the game. In a game like I don't know, Arkham Horror, it's event driven. You know, you reveal a card from a deck and and things happen. That's a game that people are like, oh man, this game is just dripping with theme, although no one actually goes crazy. Um from playing it and if it if they did that is a game then it would be dripping with theme um whereas like wombat rescue because it it's you know it's all systems driven it seems like a lot of gamers have difficulty seeing a systems driven game as thematic um and i, I thought and i'll give total props to mark for uh you know for having that observation but that that made a lot of sense you know to me um it it, it just seemed like yeah that that kind of explains that divide um that you can have where one maybe one player will see like panamax like maybe they don't see that as thematic because it is a systems driven you know game it's an economic game and whereas you know josh you you that was one of your examples of something that's really really well integrated with mechanisms and theme you know um but anyway so that yeah i think that might help um people see the hook or not you know if they're what kind of gamer that they are whether they can kind of see that theme in the in the system or not
2: yeah i think i think when you start to talk about the hook in the especially when you're talking about mechanics and theme and the marriage of them to me it's when those systems have reasonable excuses for existing right that that ex, the extrapolation of like whatever crazy because real life is really messy um but how you can take that and it and it logically feels like that's how those things work, right? And coming from like a business, you know, in school and business, they always talk about like, oh, this is how the system works, and you can do this, and you can deliver this product if you know A, B, and C happens, and dependencies, and Gantt charts. But in reality, like, no chart is ever going to fix your situation because human beings are the worst, <laughs> and they're just going to do whatever they think is the right thing to do in that moment. And I feel like that happens a lot to system games, is people are feeling the theme and thinking how you want them to think, but then they try to say, oh, it's not that as thematic because they were inside of the system, not looking at the system, right? And for me, this is the same argument I always have in video games, is I want to be the protagonist. I don't want you to give me an avatar or protagonist. Right, I wanna play when I play Zelda, I'm I'm Link. That's me. I don't talk, I don't do anything. Versus when I play I'll name any thing that's been huge in the last couple of years, but like say the newest Tomb Raider. I completely enjoy it, but I'm watching Laura Croft. Right. I'm not I'm not getting to be her because you're pulling me out of that world all the time. But people will say oh, that's usually thematic versus the other one because I'm solving the puzzles. And that argument I think has happened a lot on the digital side of things, and I don't know how much it's actually been talked about on the board game side of things, but to me, they're, the, they're kind of the same.
1: So it's really a uh, point of view.
2: Yeah, it's being in it versus kind of experiencing it. I don't know. Like, And this is just my personal opinion, but if I want to feel scared or feel like whatever, if I want to have empathy, I can go to the movies. But if I want to actually solve a problem and deduce what needs to be happening and make those decisions and have a system react to it, I want to play a game. And you could just go through all the things I like in any of those mediums and they're going to pretty much go to those directions based on do I get to do those things or not.
1: I I mean I think that makes a lot of sense definitely for video games and I I suspect that makes a lot of sense for board games as well. So if we go back to like Arkham Horror, you know Mm – Everyone in, Ar- in Arkham Horror is playing an investigator. I mean, yeah, you have an avatar on the board. You have a little player board that will have, like, your stats and stuff. But that's a little bit more – or it's a little closer to feeling like you are the the uh, protagonist than something like, I don't know, um, Carcassonne, where all you're doing is pulling a tile and laying the tile.
2: See, I would so, say the exact opposite. Uh, really? I would, I would say if you give me stats and you tell me stuff that I'm supposed to be – Then you are you are authoring the protagonist. If you just say, here's the rule set, you get to decide what you wanna do. If I play in Carcassonne, I could be like, I'm going after all the churches. Like I'm gonna be the guy that surrounds churches. Like that's my deal. (laughs) Right? Like nothing in the game told me to be that guy, but I'm gonna be that guy. Or I'm gonna just like, I wanna I'm gonna do all the rivers. Like I'm all about rivers. Like, I love rivers. It's my jam. But I'm deciding and I'm creating my story and I'm I'm making those decisions. Now, one thing that Euro games do that's really smart a lot of times is they give you a kernel of where you could go so that they do this a lot where it's like, "Hey, you if you build red houses, like you'll get more victory points." I think War Side does this, right? Like they'll be like, "If you do tuna, like you're going to get points at the end of the game if you're the tuna guy." Well, I don't that just leads me in that direction and I think it helps a lot of people that don't want to be just thrown in, it settles them in. But that doesn't mean I have to listen to that thing, right? I could still win without being the tuna person. I'm going for crabs because I'm going to go bigger. I'm going to go home. (laughs) But yeah, but to me, it's it's don't tell me who to be and how to play. Let me do that. You just set up the systems and the rules and the world for me to play in. But that's just that's that's just a hard line. That's me personally. And to me, it's that's why when I look, I say hook. I'm looking for when those mechanics and themes match that I can make decisions around that moment. If you tell me how to react, I don't like that. I don't like that in life in general because you don't you, you don't know me.
0: So I'm actually a hundred percent with you, Josh. I feel the what? same way. And, hold on, I, me and James are agreeing on something. <laughs> I feel Shut the it same down. way. I, I feel the same way about Arkham Horror um, in terms of. You know, it's basically you're you're going around and you got a whole bunch of flavor text, sure, but in the end, you're trying to go to the spot that has been generated and match the symbols. And you know what? That's the, I'm doing exactly what the game has told me to do to fix the problem. It's not letting me do anything. It's like, yeah, I have to choose how to prioritize them, but I have to do the same thing in every game. And if I don't do that thing, it feels less thematic than some people claim it to be, at least to me.
1: That's that's fascinating because I think if you would ask I don't know, 9 out of 10 gamers, they would say that Arkham Horror is more thematic than a game like Carcassonne, and you guys are the opposite.
2: Well, and that's what they that's kind of the line that's been towed, right? Like, that's kind of what everybody says all the time. It's like, we have these Ameritrash things that are super thematic, and we have these Euro things that aren't, like... It depends on how you do theme and what... I'm not saying you can't enjoy one or the other. I'm just saying the way I perceive theme is in how I internally compute it and digest it, not how many pretty words are on there. I'm never going to read the words on the cards anyway. That's one of my problems. Like, that's just not going to happen. So I'm missing some of that, to be fair.
1: Okay, yeah. I mean, I think the argument for the people that like games like Arkham Horror is that, you know, when you draw the card, you have to read the flavor text and that's what helps you like get into the game more. I've only played arkham Arkhamhar once and it was like an eight person game and it was not a good experience and I think James, I think you were in that game, weren't you?
0: I think so. I think yeah. I remember that game. And it just was like, okay, we're we're all the flavor flavor text is nice. Now what die do I need to roll? <laughs>
1: what what target do I need to try to roll here with these these random dice. Yeah. Well
0: that and that's actually a good point is When you're like,
2: you're going to read the flavor text and, and Lord knows, I don't mind like performing and playing a character, but I feel like I'm acting when, if you're playing something like Arkham Horror right? I'm acting and portraying, right? And I think some people think that's thematic, which is fine because it, because it kind of is. But to me, thematic means this situation makes me feel like, like really feel like this isn't pretend. This is me really thinking about these problems to solve them. Like there's n- there's no pretend about me figuring out I need three sheep because someone's gonna take my you know wheat and this guy's gonna die because I'm not feeding them like I, to me that that's all in your brain and it feels feels good feels good
1: <laughs> all right so we we're way off topic but that's okay this was interesting so let's let's just summarize here so Josh hook hook for you what does it mean
2: mechanic theme marriage
1: all right and James for you
0: draw me into the game what's doing it
1: all right and for me it's it's the core engagement it's the compelling thing that you do uh in a game so this is going to be interesting for the rest of the podcast we've got basically kind of three different definitions of what we think uh, a hook is so that's gonna yeah, this should make for uh, a good conversation here okay
2: three three for the price of one guys you getting three for the price of <laughs> that's one that's right
1: all right so so the next question is how do you find a hook for your design so james let's start with you
0: well when i'm looking for a hook for the design it really is going to be generally the first thing that comes up in most situations unless i've got this really interesting mechanism that i want to try out the idea of what whatever's going to draw my player into the game is what i'm going to start with and a lot of times it is just going to be train of thought stream of consciousness I want to be like well this sounds interesting this sounds interesting I'll just write down a whole bunch of ideas and then go from there so it's like if I try it out and nothing interesting happens then obviously that's not a very strong hook and we will have to figure out like, well that didn't work should I work with the theme that seems to go with it and see if there's another hook Do I abandon that idea and go back to something, you know, another idea within my list? So really, a lot of times when I'm looking for a hook, it comes across, it generates, I don't know, it's hard to describe. Basically, the idea is it's not going to come about by me trying to come up with a hook. It's going to appear. And a lot of times it's like, well, that's why I'll start with something mechanical and then see what I can find the twist with that mechanic. And it's like, oh, there's the hook. It's like, I'm going to do this thing everybody else has done, but change it, and that change is what's going to say, get people to say, oh, this is different, let me try it.
1: So when you came up with Valley of the Mammoths, your Dice Hate Me Dexterity Games challenge winner, at what point did you find the hook, and what is the hook for the game?
0: Well, there's really there's two sort of things that I would consider the hook, and one was like the idea of the area in the center of the board. And it's like, okay, I thought about initially when I was in the early stages of the design, I thought about the game, Saffronito, where you're throwing chips onto the board. But in Saffronito, what you're doing is you're going to be able to move around the board, you can throw from different sides. But I wanted everybody to have their own territory. And so I decided that the center of the board would look the same to every player no matter what side of the board they were on. And I'd never seen that done before. And it was like, aha, that way everyone has a sense of where they belong in the game but it doesn't actually change the board for anyone. So everyone has an equal, equal chance even though they're on different sides. And then the second idea was basically, well, you're competing over this territory. It's no fun if you get locked out of a place just because you're the wrong place in turn order. So that's where the dexterity came in. It's like you can physically push someone out of that space. So those were two, the two kind of things that I was like, this is different. Let's see how they work.
1: Okay. Josh, how about you? How, how do you find a hook for a design?
0: It usually starts
2: either with like an emotional or visual concept or idea that I have about a theme, just to kind of use an an example that I haven't actually found the hook for. I have an idea for a drive-in movie theater game. And the core of that is the box would be the screen, like you would flip it on your side and that would be the screen and then cars would pull in and it would make a triangle. That right now is usually where I start. So I have a very visual kind of thing i want to achieve zero idea how to make that a game right like i have no concept of how i can make that work as a game but i do know i want cars to pull in when you leave them there that matters and something to be on the screen that has something to do with either scoring or how you put the cars there but that's a good example of where i start same thing for rocky road that it's an ice cream truck game the emotional context was how can I make people feel like people come out of houses and line up for ice cream, right? And I wanted to really do multi use cards. So I that had a kind of a mechanic I know I wanted to use. And then I kept pounding and pounding on the idea of how do you make that feel like an ice cream truck. And what it ended up happening was it was just an ice cream truck and then you would slide you would put it under you would slide it under so you could just see the customers and as if you fulfilled one of their requirements, it would slide up. To the next set of customers, which felt like a line, and to me, that one little mechanism was the hook for me to be able to build the rest of the game around. Because everything else was just facilitating that one simple idea. So it's it really starts with those emotional or visual concepts, and then I just write tons and tons of notes until finally I scribble them all out because I come up with something that might actually work as a game. So
1: for Rocky Road a la mode, which is coming this. What summer?
2: Yeah, summerish sometime. I don't know. Sometime.
1: From Green Couch Games. You you said that your design hook was to make it feel like you're actually getting in line waiting for the ice cream truck. What is the hook for players? What's the compelling thing to do in the game? I and mean, is it the same thing or not?
2: I I think it's the hard choice for players. It's probably the really hard choices of either playing that card as a customer card because it's multi-use cards, right? And that's what I – like if you think of Isle of Trains, it has those – I I really like those choices of like do I want to use this as part of my train or do I want to use this as a resource or do I want to use – that same decision is there. It's hard for me to talk about what it would be for the players because to me, it's always making making that little sliding mechanism. And then once you complete a customer set, that that gives you a benefit that's also on your truck. So I think it's, it's that little system. It's a version of that with the decisions. I don't know. Don't ask me hard questions. You're just the designer, you know. I'm just a designer. Yeah. Well, it's, that's the worst thing. I could talk about somebody else's game real easy, but then you talk about mine. it's like, oh, I don't know.
1: <laughs> that's what we do here. We ask the tough questions. So I think for me at least, when I'm trying to find like that core engagement, you know, I almost always start with a theme, and I try to just find some kind of mechanism that I think will work, and then I just do solo playtesting and kind of find out if it's interesting or not and hopefully iterate from there. So I tend to uh, at least attempt to find that, that core engagement as early as I can. If it's like for, for Wombat, since we were talking about that earlier, it was very early on, you know, that ability to kind of build your, your smell area or your, your network and, and just be able to navigate around the board in that manner. And that was pretty fun to do from, Actually from the very first playtest when I when I put it out. That game has been completely atypical of anything else I've ever designed. Keep waiting for another one to to be that easy. And, and not yet.
2: Just fail a bunch more and then eventually an easy <laughs> one will happen.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I think I'm 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 about at the point where I've failed enough that another one should happen. You know, well maybe real soon, we'll see. Okay, so I think the answer for this next question is probably going to be very easy, but we'll ask it anyway. Does every game need a hook? And Josh you're up first.
2: No, because I have played many variations of games that have nothing really unique about them, but I enjoy anyway. So I don't think every game. Anytime you're going to say every, anyway, I'm going to say no. Uh, sure. That's I mean, that's
1: dealing you know, in absolutes, sure. Yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. Although I could I could be a Sith Lord right now, it'd be cool. To just be like, <laughs> absolutely. No, I think there's there's plenty of games that don't have that one thing that are all right. Now, does every great game need a hook? Pro- probably. Although James just said that Settlers of Catan has no hook for him, and by all accounts, that's a it's a damn good game. James, do you want to defend
0: yourself? No, I mean I have nothing against the game. It's just personally, it's never hooked me. So. Maybe there is maybe everybody else sees the hook and I just don't see it.
1: So James, how, how do you answer the question? Do you, do you think that every game needs to have a hook?
0: I'm going to say yes unless it's an abstract game or something along the lines of uh well yeah, I guess a pretty abstract or or something like pure numbers. I'm actually going to bring up one of the games that I'm working on right now, which is the Serapium the library game, and I'm struggling by all three of our definitions to find the hook for that game so like for me what is it that's different that's drawing you in well i can't really find much along those lines and so i'm struggling it's like why are my why are people going to want to play this when i'm telling them about it it's like what's going to bring them in and it's like well it's about a library it's like that's not a particularly interesting theme at least to most people i would assume and so i'm struggling from that and then from Josh's point, with a marriage of the theme and the mechanics, I'm like, okay, it's the library, you're librarians, and you're bidding on knowledge that, I mean, it works, it's functional, but I don't know that it makes sense. Because of those two things, I'm struggling with Matt's idea, and that's the, the core of the game, just doesn't seem to, you know, it works. It's not balanced, but it's functional, but it doesn't seem like it's going anywhere, and so I'm struggling with the idea of a hook by most of our definitions.
2: You say that, and part of me is, so, uh, that always destroys me when, like, I try to, I put a game, you're much better about it than me, James, because, like, when I when I think there's going to be this hook and this unison, and we do it, and it just fail, fails real bad, I tend to just want to go away from it, but sometimes you need to just keep keep at it, right, like, and I'm yeah. really bad about that, which is why I try not to make prototypes till I have the hook, because I'm just trying to avoid disappointment.
0: <laughs> yeah, my, uh, my hook for this one was I found a game in a thrift store with librarian miniatures in it, and the rest of the game was like, well, what do I do with them? And so far, it's been nothing that interesting. So I may just have to not start from scratch, but start from start from the second floor.
1: Take out bidding and try something else.
0: Yeah, I have a feeling that's what that was probably gonna be my next step was just like bidding librarians bidding it's like, well, you're competing factions within the library. No, that doesn't make any sense. Why would why would the librarians compete amongst themselves? So maybe it'll have to be some kind of co op where you gotta save as much knowledge as possible before the library burns or something. Who knows?
1: All right. So Josh says not every game needs a hook because he's played lots of games that haven't really met his definition of a hook. And James says that yes, every game needs a hook, and
0: with so, some exceptions. Oh, oh! Now we're throwing abstract, exceptions in there. Thing. Yeah, <laughs> Need a hook for those. Yes,
1: and by by my definition, I would say that abstracts do have a hook that they have something compelling about them. So, something like the GIPF series. I don't know if you guys have have played those or not, but it's six different abstract games. They all have ridiculously weird names like poomt and the "u" has a umlaut over it you know they're all not real words they all look like they have far too many consonants in their uh, titles um, but they're all abstracts that are done by the same designer and the compelling thing in them is usually like trying to capture pieces or trying to maneuver to get an alignment or, or things like that. So that that's like that, that core engagement is, is trying to puzzle out how to, you know, capture your opponent's piece or how to get things in a, in a uh, specific arrangement. So it's not like for, for James Rear, you know, it has to be something you know, with an and or a, but, because that that's going to be related to most likely the theme, a little bit, or or at least theme and mechanisms. But I do think that, like Josh said, every great game, yeah, I think it probably needs a hook. I can't think off the top of my head of like a truly like really great game that everyone's like, oh or at least most people are like, yeah, that a game is, is just excellent that, that doesn't have a hook in it. Even something that's popular but like not that well thought of, like Uno you know has a hook in it because your hook is like yes i gotta get rid of all these cards out of my hand and i'm really compelled to you know to be able to do that yeah i, I can't think of, i can't think of something that's r- both popular and and or like thought of well thought of that doesn't have some type of uh, of hook in it
2: like a good example of the games that don't have hooks that i can stop from playing there's a lot of kind of push your luck dice games that always kind of feel the same to me or don't really have anything that makes them stand out but because it's Push Your Luck, I mean, I enjoyed that stuff all the time. So that's – I was just trying to think of like what what kind of games I was actually talking about. So like that and a lot of card games tend to do that. And
1: I mean, so you're saying they just have the same hook, right? Like in, in, yeah, like in Push Your Luck, it's like that thrill of trying to see how far you can get away with something, right?
2: yeah i mean that's that's kind of the same hook but like again like a lot of bands play the same three chords but some of them play those three chords really really differently right so how do you play the the mechanics how do you play around with them in a way that makes me feel like it's new doesn't mean i can't enjoy the song just because it's the same song that came out 50 years ago i mean
1: yeah okay so yeah like like push your luck you know those are the the same chords but you know what kind of what kind of like different arrangement or what kind of you know different feeling can you get out of the same thing yeah I, I can see that but i think because you know games i think are inherently at least simple games are not anywhere near as com- complex as music i would think that you will just have a little bit more of a samey feeling then if you have something like green day some 41 if you have some songs where it's like well that's just those are exactly the same
2: yeah and one of those bands is good um yes you're right one of them is good and the other one is
1: is like green day cover band
2: yeah <laughs> so i use music a lot because for me and this is just i don't understand how music works it's complicated but i know how it makes me feel and that's how i felt about games before i started being like i want to do this for a living so now i know a, i still only know a tiny little bit of how games work. But I feel like it's still as mysterious to me. And when people describe music, they use a bunch of words I have no idea what they're saying, right? I'm just like, yeah, but is it good or bad? Like, would I like it or not? And I find myself speaking in that same kind of coded language to people when I'm talking about games. And when you go outside of the the industry, you're like, oh, that's right. People either think it's fun or not. And in music, they either like it or they don't. Or it's eh, right? It's true. It's just like a lot of similarities between the the
0: two for me some of i think some of those games don't need a hook because they play the same role as the music you hear on elevators and they're not meant to be the focus of the room right elevator music doesn't need a hook because no one's listening to it it's just there some of these push your luck games don't need a hook because everyone is having a conversation at the t- kitchen table and the game is just there to give people something to do with their hands and they're having fun playing it but they would be doing something else if the dice were not there and they were not rolling the dice, because the conversation at the table is what people are really focusing on.
1: So you are describing what uh, W. Eric Martin likes to call grandma games.
0: Yes. One of my wife's family's favorite games, is Farkle. I feel full in that <laughs> category. And it's like, you know what? It's a fun game. I'll play it solo on my phone when I'm bored, but if it's a bunch of people sitting around chatting, we'll roll six dice.
1: Farkle is a really interesting example, because to me that has... Like it's push your luck, but it, it doesn't have like the same type of feel as like Martian Dice does, even though that's also a push your luck, you know, game. It doesn't have quite the same feel as, well, it's not a a dice game, but like Ink and Gold, you know, that's a push your luck game. I I don't know, like it's it's the same chords but arranged in a different manner. At least how I perceive them.
0: Yeah, and it's possible. It's because I mean, when if thing thinking gold, everybody is trying to make the decision at the same time. With farco, it's like okay, I do it. Everybody else talks, then I pass the dice and I join the conversation.
1: Yeah, and same thing with like Martian Dice. I don't know if you guys have played Martian Dice, but it's a dice game, and you're basically you're Martian invaders. You're you got to roll. You're, you're trying to abduct cows. Well, it's cows and and what humans and something. Well, else.
2: I I only care about the cows. Well, right?
1: I, we know because <laughs> yeah yeah it, it just if you if you choose to you know keep rolling and you might roll too many tanks and if you don't have enough martian laser to take them out you know you're not gonna score any points that round so it's it's somewhat similar to like farkle but to me like it feels differentiated enough that even you know they're both push or luck dice games there's a there's enough of a of a difference that i don't get the the same uh hook from both of them
2: so is a gimmick the same thing as a hook no i think a gimmick is something that it it, you think it's the hook but in reality it's it's just the facade that you threw on it to make it unique and different but in reality if you under the hood it's the same it's the same thing as it was before like it doesn't have any meat to it
1: how about you james you think a, a gimmick and a hook are the same thing or are they different things
0: i think they could be if you guys have ever played android the board game
1: yeah once i think we played it together
0: so it's, like, it's interesting, though. It, 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 it seems like the hook is, you know, you're all investigators and you have to find a murderer. When that's not really the hook once you actually figure out what the heck is going on in the game. That's more along the lines of the gimmick because you're really more along the lines of, I know who I want to have done it, so let me find that evidence. Let me find the evidence that says the guy I have is the one who actually did it. And so it's like, well, and, and then you've got all these other things that are kind of... They almost feel gimmicky on the side, like all the extra little side games. They're like, well, this is different, but it's not really the core of the game.
1: When I think uh, gimmick, I think the pyramid in Camel Up.
0: See,
2: I knew you were going to say that, and that is the hook. (laughs) No. It appears as a gimmick. Go ahead, but I'm going to just tell you why you're wrong.
1: Okay, so that is not the (laughs) hook. The hook is betting and feeling like, yes, I, I... you know, I bet it was a it was a long shot, but it worked out. That was awesome. Give me money. You know, the pyramid is super fun and that's what will attract people to the game, but that's a gimmick. That
0: that's, is the toy in the game.
1: Exactly, yeah. And it's it's super fun to do it, but no, that's that's a gimmick.
2: Here's why I don't agree. Okay. Because in the games you're trying to create you're trying to create moments and the moment of betting is when you think you have a chance. So all the drama in that game is surrounded because you have this contraption that lets you click down a dice, and I can guarantee you most, like 85% of the people, I just made that up, but 85% (laughs) of the people click it, let the dice fall out, and then don't immediately lift that thing up. Sure. Because it's the drama of the reveal, right? The betting is just to facilitate that hook or that drama of the reveal of that dice if but- i were de- if i were designing that game the first thing i would think of is i can make this thing that will reveal a dice how can i make people care about that so much they'll cheer when it's like an orange two.
1: but you could have a very similar feeling pulling a die out of a bag and rolling it on the table and waiting for that die to land on whatever face it's going to land it wouldn't be the same magnitude I, I i i will agree there it's it is way more dramatic That it comes out of the pyramid you hear it clink on the table you kind of you kind of wait you know a beat or two before you pull that pyramid off to see what it is see what color it is and what number it is it's super dramatic super fun but to me that that's that's not what keeps you coming back that's what attracts you and it it definitely makes it fun but what makes it coming back is the is that that payoff you know, it's same. It's almost I shouldn't say exactly the same, but it's similar to you know going to a casino. You know, why do you why do you go back and play blackjack or roulette or whatever? You know, it's that it's that payoff. It's it's you know
2: winning. I think I think the reason why it's a hook and not a gimmick is because you come back if you're defining because I think a gimmick gets you to play and the hook gets you keeping coming back. So a gimmick is only a gimmick until everybody thinks it's cool right so like <laughs> where's that line i have no idea where that line see, is and,
1: and i'm saying that the pyramid does not get you to come back i'm saying it's the betting and the payouts that get you to come back to, to camel up
2: i think it's the revealing two pieces of information simultaneously that dr- that moment that gets you
0: to come back
1: all right james you gotta be the tiebreaker
0: i am honestly not sure no, uh, I would, I know. I, let's play let's let's, let's play, play camel, camel up. up rolling I'm the down. dice and see how it feels because then you know at least you know what color you got first maybe that is the difference knowing that it's one color versus the other and you're like well i really the number is not that important if it, this color's moving i could definitely see but i i mean i do think betting is the core and it's like well is I, would it
2: pay off? I would absolutely agree it's yeah. the core yeah
0: And it's like so so josh you say that starts out as a gimmick and becomes the hook essentially right from from if you're buying the game yeah all right so does anything ever go the other way starts out as the hook and then you eventually realize it was just the gimmick
2: yeah and hopefully that's not in the game because i i mean i have that with designs where i'm like this is the hook and then i realize i'm really just forcing all of these other ideas into this system for no real reason and i should get rid of that thing because it's just it's gimmicky or it's it's not really vital to what i'm trying to achieve but those that's sad when that happens because you think you have this great thing that's going to work and then it turns out that that cool thing should die, and you should make a different thing.
1: That's a that's a really interesting question. Something that you thought was a hook, and then it turned out it was just a gimmick. And I feel like I've played something that has done that. And off the top of my head, I'm having trouble thinking of anything. Probably because I after I realized it was just a uh, a gimmick, I got rid of the game. But I, I'm almost thinking of something like abyss have you guys played abyss i know james you have yep no no so like uh, abyss is is a it's a solid game um essentially a set collection but i felt like like the hook of that game was almost this is gonna be weird to say but almost like the components
0: oh yeah absolutely it's it is one of the most overproduced games i have seen in terms of depth of gameplay and length of gameplay
1: yeah i mean it's got you know, great, great illustrations. It has, I mean, you have pearls in the game, which are currency, which is
0: ridiculous. I mean, i And pull, a little cup for every player just to hold those pearls.
1: Right. Because they, cause they wanted to put pearls in there. So then they had to put, you know, give everyone little cups because you can't hold you know, round pearls on a table very easily. And it was like, yeah, the the thing that got me interested in the game, and I would say probably most people interested in the game was the the artwork in the game and then I played it and I was like, okay that's a that's a good solid you know set collection game, but I wasn't I don't know it it was like it didn't it didn't live up to the promise of the illustrations and the components and things like that and and like James said it was really overproduced and overproduce is a boy, that's a loaded term that a lot of people will have yeah. you know different opinions and definitions of off the top of my head, I think that's the only thing I can really think of where like the hook of the game actually turned out to be like the gimmick uh, for the game. Yeah, that's a really interesting question. I, I bet there are lots of other examples out there that we can probably come up with.
0: Listeners, tell us
1: Yes, please. I would love to hear some more examples of of either way, you know where either you know you thought it was the gimmick and it turned out that it was the hook. Or you thought it was kind of the hook of the game, and I, either way that you are defining hook, and then you saw nope, that's actually that's actually the uh, the gimmick for the game. Yeah, that would be I think that would be really interesting. So the uh, the next question here is, and and we've we've touched on this a little bit already. Uh, so this might be a little bit more of just a <laughs> just a uh, synopsis. Can you start a design without a hook and then find one later, or? should you find the hook first and then design around that? So, James, what do you think?
0: I think if you start to design without a hook and find one later, you are very lucky. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That's a very good answer. If you do not start with something that is going to either draw the player in or marry your theme and mechanic together, if you don't start with that, then you're probably going to be making major changes down the line one way or the other. All right.
2: How about you, Josh? I think if you start a design without finding the hook, no, I'm just I was gonna say the same thing. <laughs> I think you have to have a sense of what the hook will be. I don't think you have to know. Like right now, I have a gimmick with the drive-in movie theater idea. Right. That is straight gimmick. It's up to me to come up with that hook of why that actually is meaningful. I think you have to have a pretty clear idea of what you want to achieve. Now, it might change over time because you think of better things, but you got to go in with, this is the experience I want to make.
1: Okay. Yeah. I I think those, those are definitely valid answers. I think depending on what your design style is, maybe your method of finding the hook is to start, you know, with a, an idea, whether it's theme or mechanism, and then you find it uh, as, as you're going, but it's probably going to be really early, you know, in the uh, process, or at least it should be. I think you probably won't leave the mvp stage of a design which is you know minimum viable product uh without finding the hook and if you do i think that's probably pretty troublesome uh you you probably don't have a great design um if you start moving forward uh without finding you know that that hook for the the game
2: yeah like kind of like i said earlier i don't prototype until i feel like i have a hook that and obviously that is farther down the line in the designing as there's plenty of ideas that don't have hooks that are just thoughts you know like cavemen love cheese like what like what is that i wrote it down that is a little known fact from little no very little known fact because it it's was, false it, you don't know what they did they couldn't make cheese don't even give me that you don't tell cavemen what they can do i will <laughs> caveman no, listen gonna... to me don't even bother making cheese you can't do it oh man game ruined but yeah, I don't move forward completely with the idea and put a lot of energy into into it until I have that that hook. James, how do you, how do you do it? Because I notice a lot of times you have you have something very close to what you want, but you're kind of playing around with the prototype to discover it, and that's kind of like a foreign thing to me.
0: Yeah, um, part of it is because I'll do a lot of stuff in my head just because of how my work schedule inter- interacts with being able to meet up with you guys. And so I will do a lot of stuff within my head, go through iterations in my head before I actually start bringing stuff out most of the time. Sometimes I will start with what eventually feels like a gimmick, and that's when I bring out the games, and I'm like, let's test this for three hours. And I walk away, and I was like, that was a waste of three hours, which I've had meetings like that before. But usually I will have a hook before I put anything on paper.
1: I know I have kind of try to play around with something until I sort of find the hooks. Actually, I think one example is actually Tristica Decaphobia. I don't know if there's a good way to design a trick-taking game or not. If there is, I sure haven't found
2: it. I don't know if there's a good way to design any game. Well,
1: <laughs> that is that is fair. Yes, you're, you're right. But in in I mean, I would just try iteration after iteration after iteration to find something that felt fun. And it came from, you know, Josh, your family playing and trying something weird. And it came from, you know, me trying something weird. And it came from suggestions from, you know, meetings where someone was playing to finally sort of cobble something together that seems pretty fun and seems like there's lots of choices to make in the game. Yeah, that was totally, totally (laughs) from just... I don't know. Let's see what the core is that we can find. Now we were talking earlier about, you know, like like card games. They kind of feel like they have like the same kind of hook, and pushy luck, luck dice games. You know, they they sound like they feel like they have kind of the same kind of hook. So that might be part of the issue because it's a trick taking game. So it already you know feels like. It, it has the, the same kind of hook as other games, and, and maybe that's why, you just at least for me, that I had to just iterate and iterate and iterate and try this thing, try that thing. But
2: Was that really frustrating? Like, super. Because I, I find when you can't break through that wall where you know there's something on the other side, to me that's the most frustrating part.
1: I still don't know like whether I have found that thing. I mean, it's in open playtesting now. But I don't know. This is the way that I'm going to try to find out. So far, as the time of recording, I've gotten one feedback from an external player, and and they enjoyed it. So that's you know that's one good you know feedback so far.
2: Yeah, it seems to put yourself out there in a way where like it, where the competition is so it's so easy to compare a tricking game game to every other trick taking game. Right, where it like I. I tend to try to hide behind the veil of like unique theme and stuff. So like, you can't really get those direct comparisons, you know, like this is like a weird concept in general. Don't mind the fact that these are just resources and stuff.
1: (laughs) And that's, you know what, that, that can work, right? I mean, that's, yeah, but yeah, it's, it's definitely, definitely frustrating. Uh, And and I think we've, we've all had this with various designs, like, Oh, what's one that I had that I kind of shelved. There was a, a, Balloon delivery service, which um, is just temporarily shelled i 'm actually just about ready to pull that back off the uh, the back burner because I got an idea of how to uh, how to fix it, but that was one where I always knew there was there was something missing in that game, and I just could never put my finger on it, could never put my finger on it. I took it to Unpub Five last year. some people really enjoyed it. most people at least liked it. they may not have been like, "'Oh, this is an awesome game, best ever they're at least like, oh yeah there's a lot of interesting things going on uh, in this this game still even with all the you know great feedback, I still never. Could like put my finger on what is wrong with this with this design, and then it finally occurred to me like a couple months after Unpub Five that the game is too samey and there's no ludological arc in the game, and that's something we can we should probably do a, a an episode about at some point of having a ludological arc in your game, and once I realized that, it's like ah okay, if the light bulb went off, I know what's wrong. I don't necessarily know how to fix it yet, but at least I can stop. Like, having that frustrating feeling of what is wrong with this thing, you know? So that's one where, because it is, sort I think that's probably a unique theme, you know, flying balloons over a uh, waterway to deliver goods. I don't know of anything else that does that exactly. And because its mechanisms are a little again, I haven't seen anything that, you know, where you're kind of launching a balloon and you kind of sort of know where it's going to go. And
2: it, it's kind of because I've played it a couple of times. And yeah. it always, to me, it feels like a like a heavy Euro version of, like, Colt Express, <laughs> right? Because, like, cause, cause it, there's the planning and you can position yourself. But unlike Colt Express, you can actually, like, plan what you're doing a little bit more because humans don't get in the way as much. Yeah, that's that's interesting. You would call it a heavy Euro. That's... Well, that's the yeah. That's what, I mean I think at unpub I called it like German balloon movement game. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that was a uh, Ben Ben Pinchback who's a fan of the show. Hey Ben, he he's he was the one that suggested you just need to find like a a name of a German city and put that on and just yeah. you know <laughs> it's like <laughs> hey, we right it would fit right in. For, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It'll work. Find find some famous German city that manufactured you know dirigibles in World War II or something. Well, maybe not World War. II two, but maybe uh, in between World War one and World War two. Uh, but, but yeah, that, that frustrating <laughs> feeling is, uh that, that's one of the most aggravating things about, about game design. And, and there was a, an example where I felt like the game had a hook, you know, like the hook is, is getting that balloon launched and, and trying to, trying to figure out, you know, who you're going to be able to deliver a good to, uh, but even with what i felt was like a hook in that game it still wasn't you know still wasn't enough and that's a long long super tangent that i will probably cut but that's okay
2: um but you shouldn't because it's good you're talking about how frustrating it is to when you have <laughs> when you have something that works but isn't what you want it to be that is the worst
0: <laughs> yes functional without the fun is really frustrating
2: yeah I, I said
1: that's a really good way to put it functional without the fun and that's like it was it was like sort of fun you know but not enough and especially in 2016 when there's just a flood of games that are getting released whether it's through regular channels or whether it's through kickstarter or whatever man you really you really have to have your game stand out and 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 be something special and it's you know just having to say good enough yeah that's not going to cut it
2: uh, good days. enough ain't good enough. <laughs> no,
1: yeah, it's it's really true. So it sounds like I think we're largely agreeing that you you either need to have the hook when you start your design or find it early. Is that does that sound agreeable?
2: If you don't want to drive
0: yourself insane <laughs> and waste a bunch of time. <laughs> yeah, without uh without doing three months of meaningless play test, yeah, get the hook early.
1: So the last question, at least the last prepared question that I have is should a game have a single hook, or can you have multiple hooks? And uh, we'll throw this one over to you first, Josh.
2: Uh, I think it, uh, to me, you gotta you gotta have w- the hook. To me, that by definition, the hook is one thing. You can have complementary elements that feed into that hook, but if you have too many things that are competing, then I it for me it falls apart a lot of the times when when you try to do that
1: so when you play like a medium or or heavy euro you feel that those games do not generally have multiple hooks they only have one
2: they have a i guess a dominant hook and then like riffs off of that hook like like colbert is a game i really like right to me the hook in that is you go up and down that stupid gimmicky slide thing which is amazing <laughs> um <laughs> The <laughs> gimmicks aren't bad. That's that's awesome. I just wish I had the second edition because it's thicker now. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I agree with you there.
2: Yeah. But to me that's like the core big hook. But I also feel like the way you place workers because you can kick people out and you can you just have to keep having more and more. That feels like a hook as well, but it doesn't have the theme part of it that makes me feel like it's a complete hook of the game. It's a complimentary thing that's unique, but if there was a different way of doing that, the game could still be really fun and interesting. If there was a different way of like moving the thing up and down the mineshaft, I think it would fall apart. Like maybe that's the way you judge it. Like if it doesn't have this thing, could it still work? And if the answer is no, then that's probably the hook.
1: You play Coal right, James?
0: Yeah. As I say, if you would ask me to find say the hook on that, I would have said, well, it's the. The fact that you can actually kick people off the workers as long as you have more than they do. And it's like yeah, moving up and down is is also very integral to the game, but it feels like the again the and or but is that you know it's worker placement, but you can take other people's spaces.
1: I actually agree with both of you.
0: Okay, now now you're just being nice.
1: Hey, again. we all need to do this <laughs> at least once on this episode. Um, like I, I agree with with Josh in that moving the Elevator in the coal shaft is is definitely a hook of that game because that's pretty unique, and and it feels like thematic, right? Because you're like, yeah, I, of course I'm going down to this lower level to get this coal, and then it's going to take a certain amount of time to get up, and yeah, that that's it's fun to plan that out, and it's and if yeah, it's just a feel good thing. But I also agree with James that the mechanism for bumping workers out of spaces where it takes an extra worker is that's a hook as well, and that's. A little bit of a riff uh, off of other worker placement games where, you know, once someone gets a spot, they're in it and no one else can get in there. So uh, to me, there are two separate hooks in that game. You've got the one with the workers and the one with planning out your mineshaft operations. And I I see them as, I guess, complementary to to one another, but also separate and distinct. Like they, I, I think you could have one without the other, you know. Um, like I, like Josh, like you said, you could you could do the workers in some other way, and and still have that mine shaft there, and that would still work just as well. Also, I think you could have the the you know displacement of the workers and not have the mine shaft and have something else, and you know the worker thing would still be really satisfying to do. It's almost the combination of those two. Maybe like medium hooks, <laughs> they're not large hooks. Maybe that's, you know, because they're both in there, that's what makes that game better as to only having one of those.
2: One of those has a huge thematic element and the other one just doesn't. And that's what propels me to say that's the hook of the game. For one, the worker thing I want to steal desperately because <laughs> I love I love that. But I want to come up with a theme reason why something would work that way. If you could take that mechanical hook, or mechanism hook, I don't know, people get crazy about that, and come up with a thematic reason for people to get kicked out, but there'd be more, I'd eat that up. I would eat that completely and utterly up. The scoring hook of that game is that the scoring gets compounded as you play through. Maybe that game's just really good.
0: <laughs>
2: I
1: mean, it is. It is a really good game, that's that's for sure. I think uh, the the workers like i can't remember if they actually say it in the rulebook but isn't it like like you're you're competing like you know mine owners and you're sending more workers to, as like tough guys
2: to kick out the other worker well i mean i'm sure but you
0: know i found it really interesting cuz it's like yeah they're both hooks they're very both very important to the game but the workers you get the that idea right away like at the beginning it's like okay first turn i can kick you out if i cuz i got two and you got one the idea of going up and down the shaft the mine shaft takes a turn or two to get the hang of and you're like and then it, it, it's almost like a slow burn hook and it's like okay as you just get going and later in the game you're like I get it how to maximize these movements whereas the first one is like you know right when you start the game you're like okay this is what's different
2: yeah and and so this is a really good example because visually if you walked up to the table and somebody was playing Colbaron what would you say what is that it'd be the mine shaft, right like, it would be this whole thing where this you have a piece that moves up and down. As someone that knew nothing about the game, that would draw you in. Now, that could be gimmicky or it could be the hooky part, but that's the kind of stuff I'm trying to replicate when I design. Like, the 12-inch vinyl records is making a physical record, so if somebody walks by, they see a record on the table. Like, the drive-in movie theater idea is it looks like a drive-in movie theater. Like, I want those visual elements that tie into my core loop to draw people in that might not necessarily care about what I'm making.
1: You know, I, I almost think that type of a hook might be more easily confused with a gimmick. I would agree. Yeah. And so I wonder if like Cole Baron, if the, and boy, I hope listeners have played Cole Baron because a, <laughs> it's a good game, but B, if you haven't, you have no idea what we're talking about. If the reason why, it's so like appealing is because you have the mineshaft hook, which could feel a little gimmicky to certain players. And you have the worker displacement hook, which does a new twist on worker placement, which it feels, you know, something new and exciting. And that's the, um, that's the and or the, but for, you know, uh, James definition of hook. And I, I wonder if, Kramer and and Kiesling, the the designers, if they were just super super clever, which I know they are because they're super experienced and they've been doing this for like thirty years now. But if they just if they kind of know that you you do need multiple hooks like that, you need the one hook for the the player who's going to see like the visual that you know they're going to see it on the table, they're going to get drawn in. And you need the other hook for the players who are going to get who are going to be more into the the gameplay. You know, and and you guys might be looking at the same thing just from two different lenses each getting your own hook out of it and being satisfied you know uh, by the same package
2: yeah it's almost like we got to get you in the door but once you're in the door we got to make you really happy and when games deliver on that that's how they get on my shelf
1: i think through kind of talking that through now i feel like a game has to have multiple hooks i don't know what do you guys think
0: these days, I definitely think so. Because, I mean, I can think of a lot of the games that I enjoy, like the Cryon Rail games. And they have a single hook. And they're fun, but they are obviously showing their age at this point. They're 30 years old almost, probably. And so, I mean, if they were released today, they would not do well if they didn't already have a history. And so, you know, those are those are three-hour games that have a single hook in them. These days, that will not cut it for a new game.
1: What do you think, Josh? Can you get away with a a single hook, or do you have to have multiple hooks?
2: Oh, there's so I mean, games are made up of so many different parts. Like all of them have to like not suck, <laughs> right? So I- ideally, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think. Oh, I was going to use wharf side as an example, but there's two hooks in that. Ah, yep. oh. yeah, there are. Yeah, because there's the the you get an ability as long as you're doing the thing, and you have to take from either the left or right side of the wharf. When you draw cars. I
1: mean, I guess you could say the like the key hook in Wharfside is that you can only have three things in front of you, you know? And so you, you got to manage, you got to pick, do I want to try to work towards completing one of these things and lose the ability, or do I want to maintain the ability... And you know, try to get points in another way. You know, but I, but I think I, I do think you're right, though. I think there are kind of like two hooks in there. You know, you've got the it's more like you know the abilities and and points are almost like two separate hooks in that game.
2: Yeah, the the abilities are like the more clevery gamery one to me, and then the fact that when you draw two cards, they have to be on either the left or right of the wharf is like the. The thing anybody can understand and understand the choices that it's simple stuff like that it makes me mad that I didn't think of it.
1: <laughs> I uh, so Ben, when you get to this point in the episode, tweet at us and let us know what you think the hook of Wharfside is. I would I would like to know from the uh, the game designer's uh, perspective because who knows maybe maybe uh, Matt and Ben think it's something else and we are we are completely off.
2: Well, I can't be wrong because it's my opinion, so <laughs> whatever. <laughs>
1: Well, that was a very windy conversation about hooks, but I think that might have been pretty interesting, and hopefully uh, people will agree. So now we're going to get into our news segment here. Uh, we have a couple pieces of news. The first piece of news is everyone applaud for James because James recently got married. Yay! Yay. And I'm sure married life is probably not that much different from prior life, and that's okay.
0: Very nice.
1: that was that was very sincere folks uh in case you couldn't tell but uh so yeah in addition to winning contests also got married so 2016 is a good year for james uh the next piece of news here is uh i am seeking play testers for so we mentioned this a couple times during the episode. This is a trick-taking game for two to five players. It generally plays in around 30 minutes, it just kind of depends on how many rounds you want to play, or if you want to play to a specific point total. I will have the link to the rule book in the show notes, and the rule book also has the link to the print and play file and a link to the google form for providing feedback you can actually uh, create this deck from three decks of playing cards you don't actually need to uh print the the print and play but it is available in case you don't have that many decks of cards or or maybe you just uh, would prefer to play with the print and play i'm looking for any kind of feedback on gameplay uh really at this point i'm as we kind of discussed in the episode i'm opening up to a wider audience just to kind of get some more feedback to see what people think of of this trick-taking game
2: matt matt what would you say the hook is of this game
1: so i think the hook of uh, just besides being a trick-taking game uh, I, I think that's so standard that i don't know if that can be a hook anymore is in this game unlike a lot of trick-taking games you actually can work together with your opponents each round to try to either guide the trick in a manner that's going to be to your benefit or to guide the trick in a manner that is going to be really bad for someone else. And what I mean by that is there's actually two modes to play Phobia. The first one is a little bit um, different for a trick-taking game where if you can make the current value of the trick add up to 13 by playing a card – You can play any suit you want. And when you do that, you change the suit to whatever you just played. So you might be able to take that trick. It's sort of like a trump, but you can only do that by uh, playing the card and having that Uh, trick add up to 13. So I think that's, that's a little bit of a a little twist on a trick taking game. The second mode is if you can make the value of the trick add up to 13 at the end of the trick, and that would be just a number of cards in the trick, according to the number of players, whoever takes that trick is going to lose points. And so in that manner, you might be able to social game against other players a little bit. In which I haven't seen too much in trick-taking games. I mean, you can have table talk, of course, um, but generally in trick-taking games, everyone's out for themselves. So the with the second mode in Trishkodekophobia, you have a, a little bit more of a social element than you would in in most trick-taking games. How's that for a, a, a hook there, Josh?
2: Sounds like you got two of them and you nailed it. <laughs> All right, so Josh,
1: you have the next piece of news.
2: Yes. Go right now on the computer. Go to Patreon. Back button Shy's Board game of the month. Postcard month. Board game of the month. Card gun thing. I forgot the official name of it. Board game of the month. Postcard or postcard board game of the month. Listen, everybody. Just go back it because in March, the most amazing game ever with one hook (laughs) is coming out. Actually, there's two. There's two. There's two hooks. I didn't develop one of them, but there's two of them. I can't say what movie it's based on because they're all based on movies. All I can say is if you're a fan of Tim Burton, which narrows it down to like way too many movies, then you're going to be, you're going to be, you're going to be pleased. So go ahead and start guessing. You have to be a Patreon person before March 1st. So do it up.
1: As I said on the last episode, this game is super fun and really unique and you're definitely going to want to be on board for this. I I'm, I'm really excited to see uh, this one come out. And we can't talk about the hook because that would give away the uh the movie. So, but we we might be able to talk about the hook after it uh, is released. And the other piece of news, Josh, is also yours.
2: Yes, the next piece of news is I will be at SaltCon March 3rd through the 5th. I'll have every prototype I have with me. So I'll have Rocky Road Alamo. I'll have Milkman. I'll have Vinyl. I'll have Drive Through. I probably won't have Drive Through. If you have an idea of how that game's going to work, please tell me. <laughs> Otherwise, find me there. It'll be my first time in Utah. And then after that, I'll have one state left Alaska. And i got to get
0: that done before that baby comes.
1: All right. Uh, James, if people want to get in contact with you, how can they do so?
0: So they can find me on BGG. I am SpaceNut, just like it's spelled, just like it sounds. Or you can find me on Twitter at Apollo Continuum, and that's A-P-O-L-L-O-C-O-N-T-I-N-U-U-M.
1: All right. And Josh, where can people get in touch with you?
2: On Twitter, at Joshua J. Mills. On BoardGameGeek, at Joshua J. Mills. Find me, talk to me, message me.
1: What are you on Tinder.
2: I am married with a baby on the way. <laughs> and it would be at Joshua J. Mills. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. And uh, you can get in touch with me at Matt Wolf on Twitter and the same username on Board Game Geek. And send your Tinder hate mail towards me. And if you have enjoyed this episode, please join our guild on Board Game Geek. You can go to podcast.gdofnc.com and that will redirect you to our guild on BGG. You can subscribe and maybe start the conversation. Uh, We also have a group Twitter account, which is at GD of NC, which of course stands for Game Designers of North Carolina. Please subscribe to the podcast. You can use iTunes, you can use Stitcher, you can use the RSS feed uh, that our podcast host Buzzsprout provides. And if you would be so kind, feel free to leave a review on any of the fine podcast dispersal services. And that is gonna do it for this episode of the Game Designers of North Carolina podcast. Remember to use all the hooks and we will see you next time. Looky looky, I got a (laughs) hooky that was that was the worst way to end this ever.